Awesome. Now, today, we are continuing our sermon series, and for those of you who have been with us, we've been going through the book of Psalms, Psalm 23 in particular. Uh, again, coming into the year, I just felt like the Lord wanted us to take this passage, and the way that God wanted us to take this was not to rush through it. I think there could be a tendency with this particular passage to just, you know, push our way through it. It's something that's very familiar. It's a really good coffee cup verse. It's a verse that you hear at a lot of funerals or even weddings. You might hear this, this passage. So this is a very common passage. But I felt like what the Lord wanted us to do is take this one bite at a time. Like I said earlier, I like a good steak. I always, I felt like what the Lord wanted us to do is take a quick, you know, a, a, a cut of that steak, that buttery steak, put it in our mouths. Who's hungry right now? Who's feeling that, right? Come on. And put it in our mouths and savor it and enjoy it. And that's what I felt like the Lord's wanted us to do. And I've really, really been enjoying this passage. Have you guys been enjoying the passage with me? Come on. So as has been our custom this morning, what I want to do is I want to read the passage with you. Uh, we're going to read it in the New King James Version. should be up there on the screen. And why don't you read it with me out loud this morning. And then we're going to dive in today. Today we are going to be going to uh, Psalm 23, verse 3. Okay, and here we go. One, two, three. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Psalm 23, verse 3. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. In the New Living Translation, he renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing me honor and bringing honor to his name. In the Amplified Version, it says this. He refreshes and restores my soul or my life. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your word. God, we're so grateful to come to your word, Lord God. And, and as we approach it, we approach it with humility. We approach it ready to learn, God. We approach it, Lord Jesus, ready to hear from you what you want to say, Lord God. We ask this morning, Lord God, that as the word is preached, God, that it would go forth and it would plant good seed in our heart, Lord Jesus. Father, we pray that not one person here would leave the same, God, but that we would all be changed by your word this morning, Lord God. We come under the authority of your word, and we say, come and have your way. Do what you want to do in this place, that we pray. In Jesus' name, I get out of the way. I say, do whatever you want to do, Jesus. We ask it now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Well, I've been really enjoying this passage. I've been enjoying going through this verse by verse. And in the verse today, there's one word that stands out to me. And it's this word. It's the word restores. Restores. I love this idea of something being restored because it implies that something has lost its initial luster. Something has lost its initial value. Do you know that there's like a whole like subculture of people that restore things and make money doing it? 
I've got a, a, a sister-in-law, what she'll do is she'll buy things off of Facebook Marketplace. She'll take, buy like a piece of furniture, for instance. She'll bring it home, and then she'll go ahead and sand the whole thing down, and she'll paint it and make it beautiful again, and then she can sell it, and she can make money that way. Um, I've got a brother-in-law. His name's Devin. This guy's amazing. And he is incredible at restoring things. He's made like an art form out of restoring different vehicles and different things. He, he's restored a number of boats. He'll go out and he'll find a boat. You know, often I'll go to his house and, and he'll be like, hey, let me show you something. And around the corner, he's got a boat sitting there. And then I'll like walk around the corner. He's got like a tent trailer sitting there. And then I'll walk around the corner and they'll be like, there's a camper sitting there. And Devin will get these things and he just, he's figured out a way to go in. He knows how to, to restore um, uh, cloth and, and create rain screening. He's figured out how to restore um, upholstery. He knows how to plug holes. He's figured out how to fix engines. And he'll get these things, he'll buy them cheap, he'll restore them, and then he'll return the value and get the value for them by selling them afterwards. This, this idea of restoring is this powerful idea that something was once very valuable or something was once very beautiful. It's lost its luster, but then the master comes along and restores it back to its original value. Now, when it comes to our lives, this is a powerful theme because we all need restoration. You're going to hear me say this a lot in this church because it's something that I happen to believe, that the glory of God is always revealed in restoration. We always recognize the glory of God when we see his restoring power. His glory is not revealed in our perfection. It's not revealed in how we live a life that is so perfect before God. And man, we just, we live this life that's so great before him that every, nobody could doubt that there is a God. No, no, no. My testimony is that I was a fool. That I was a failure that I couldn't do it on my own, but I serve a God who called me out of that place, who pulled me out of a pit of miry clay, and he set my feet on a rock, and he restored my life. That is my testimony, and that is our testimony. And my question for you this morning, the Bible says he restores my soul. Well, we have to understand what do we mean by a soul? A soul is the seat of emotions. It's, it's the essence of who you are. It's your life. It's not the unseen portion. It's your mind, your will, and your emotions. And the Bible says that he restores your soul. This implies that our souls can lose their luster, that they can lose their perfection, that they can lose what it is that makes them joie de vivre, have the joy of life. These things can be lost. And this idea of restoration speaks of this, broken to repaired, sick to healthy, stressful to peaceful, depressed to free, lost to found, faulty to functioning, exhausted to ready, afraid to courageous, hungry to satisfied, and sad to joyful. Our God is the God who restores. He restores my soul. So as I began to delve into this particular passage, and as I began to look into what's going on behind this, what, what is he actually trying to say? Again, this idea of restoration implies that there's been some brokenness. It implies that there's been a loss of, of luster. There's been a loss of the original perfection that something was built with. And so something has to be restored. And, and when, he, when I began to study this, there was a, a theme that kept coming up over and over and over again. And it was a shepherd's theme. And the theme was from Psalm 42, verse 11. 
and this is the way that it describes it. It says, when a sheep needs to be restored, it is often because it has become cast down. Cast down. And in Psalm 42, verse 11, David says this, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. He's saying, why are you cast down? Now, when I've read this passage in the past, of course, we can all picture and understand this idea of being cast down, right? Like, this idea of being cast down, if we were to be very melodramatic about it, we'd probably say, you know, why are you cast down? Right? And then you get this picture of being cast down on the ground, right? You get this picture of this, right? But I didn't realize this, but apparently this is actually a sheep term. Who knew? Somebody say sheep term. This is a sheep term, apparently. And this is what it means. According to my good friend, W. Philip Keller, who I've been reading his book, uh, the, the Psalm 23 for the shepherd, and, um, and according to him, this idea of being cast down, first of all, in our own lives, it means this idea of being dejected, feeling defeated, feeling overwhelmed by discouragement. It means that you have gotten into a place where you cannot pick yourself up again. But when it comes to sheep, Here's what it says. Sheep are built in such a way that if they fall on their side and then onto their back, it is very difficult for them to get up again. They flail their legs in the air, bleat and cry, and after a few hours on their backs, gas begins to collect in their stomachs. The stomachs harden, and the air passage is cut off, and the sheep will eventually suffocate. This is what is referred to as a cast-down position. When a shepherd restores a cast down sheep, he reassures it, massages its legs to restore circulation, gently turns the sheep over, lifts it up, holds it so that it can regain its, regain its equilibrium. So this idea of getting cast down, apparently what can happen for sheep is they're a little top heavy. And so they'll go looking for a place where they can lie down. And we talked about this last week, about, you know, he leads me beside uh, the green, he leads, makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. We got this idea of lying down in a comfortable place. And the sheep will find a comfortable place to lie down, and they'll find a little dip in the ground, and they'll lie down, and everything seems good. And the next thing you know, they go to get up, and their little leg can't quite reach the ground. And then it can't reach the ground. And so then they start pawing, and they start panicking. And the next thing you know, the equilibrium on their back turns them over onto their back so their legs are up in the air and they can no longer get up. And they're stuck, they're bleeding and, and, and stuck and they can't move and, the, and, and we're told that, that the gases in their stomach um, fill up and that they actually lose the, the ability to breathe and they can die that way. Also, of course, they're, they're, they're prey, as, as predators come, uh, they are in a really vulnerable position where predators can come and, and get them and, and uh, they're stuck in that position. But this idea of being cast down for a sheep is to be on its back and unable to get back up again. You can picture that? on its back and unable to get back up again. Now, according to Philip Keller, sheep get cast in three different situations. And I want to talk to you about those three different situations today, and then we're going to talk about how God comes and he restores us. You see, because here's the thing, when a sheep gets cast down, their only hope is the shepherd. When a sheep gets cast down, they can't rely on their bleeding. They can't rely on their little legs moving. Their hope is the shepherd. 
And oftentimes, I think in life, we can find ourselves in that position where we also are cast down. And there's three things here that cause a sheep to get cast down. Number one, they look to lie down in a soft spot in a depression or a dip. This is this idea of this temptation to look for the easy way. I think a lot of times we can find ourselves getting cast down as we start to, to look for the easy way. Proverbs 14:12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. We live in a society where it is encouraged and it is easy to find the easy way. Right? How do we do it the easy way? Well, what do we do? Right? We just figure it out. We've got so much information at our fingertips that there's always going to be an easier way to do something. And oftentimes, that is the tempting way to go. If I can find that nice spot that, that the sheep's looking for, that nice spot to lie down, and, and that little dip there, that looks so nice and so easy, and oh man, that just looks so beautiful, and, and, and look at all the grass in there, and look at how it just, it's, it just aligned in my body. This is just perfect. And I'm going to go ahead and lie down here. Little does that sheep know that when they lie down in that spot, they're going to get stuck there. And they can't get out. And oftentimes temptation comes to us in the same way. It seems easy. It's a quick way out. It's a coping mechanism to deal with an anxiety. It's a way that we look to get away from an issue we're having with a relationship. Maybe I'll just, you know, watch a movie instead. Maybe I'll just do something else instead. Maybe there's, a, maybe there's an, a, an addiction or something that's a coping mechanism that you turn to that's your easy way out. The Bible tells us that, you know, sin, which is falling short of God's glory, is fun for a season. So there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. It's a temptation to look for the easy way. In Matthew 7, 13 and 14, it says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. So one of the first reasons that a sheep would get cast down is because they would look for the easy way. They'd look for the simple way. Instead of the shepherd's way. Instead of the shepherd's way. Number two. One of the other reasons that this might happen to a sheep is that their fleece can get too heavy. Over time, these things, this fleece on their back can, can grow and, and it can become extremely top-heavy. They can become so top-heavy that, in fact, when they roll over, the fleece will not allow them to roll back on to their feet. And this is this idea for us of the cares of life that add up and keep score. Sin is a weight that we carry. Unforgiveness is a weight that we carry. Depression is a weight that we carry. There's these, there's these burdens that we carry that can cause us to become top-heavy and be unable to move. Luke 21, verse 34, But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing drunkenness and the cares of this life, that the day come on you unexpectedly. I love this one in Hebrews 12, 1. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Church, these weights that we carry, do you know what they are? They're unnecessary burdens. 
You don't have to be weighed down. And so what, what happens is the sheep gets, his, 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 um, his, his wool grows on his back. His fleece gets too heavy. He gets stuck on his back. And the, it, he requires the shepherd to come. And the shepherd comes and puts him back on his feet. And then the shepherd actually has to, to shave off the fleece so that the weight is no longer holding him down. And church, in the same way, we need the Lord to come and take the weights off of our shoulders and take the weights off of our backs. Some of you are carrying weights right now that you were never meant to carry. Some of you are carrying weights of guilt and shame that God never intended for you to carry. There is a good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And he comes and delivers me from that weight. Amen? Number three, y'all with me? Number three, this is the third thing that can happen to a sheep that gets them cast down. they self-assured that I can just keep taking on the things of the world, you know what, and it's not going to hurt me. I can just keep doing whatever I'm doing. 1 John 2.16 says this, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. And here's what this means. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. This is what it means. I want it, I'll look for it, and it won't hurt me. How often can that be our mantra? How often is that the deception that the enemy look for it and it won't hurt me? Church, we must remember that our riches, that our righteousness, that our hope is in the kingdom. That our hope is in Jesus. Revelation 3.17 says, Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Here's the thing about the sheep when they're cast down. They are 100% reliant on the shepherd. Here's the thing about us when we are cast down. We are 100% reliant on the shepherd. We are 100% reliant on him. All of these issues, challenge, and challenges have the same solution. And it is the good shepherd. Church, the Lord is my shepherd. Lest you think that these, these things that I just mentioned are meant to weigh you down and remind you of why you're stuck. They're not. They're meant to remind you that we have a good shepherd who does not tire in coming to us and turning us back over and putting us back on our legs and massaging our legs so that we can move forward in the direction that he has for us to go. He never tires of it, church. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. I love this quote from Tim Keller. This is not any relation to Philip Keller. I checked. Timothy Keller says this, the gospel is this, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet, at the same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. There is a God, he is the good shepherd, and he is here today to set you back on your feet, to turn you around, place your feet on solid ground, and make you move forward in the things that he has for you. Philip Keller says it this way, many people have this idea that when a child of God falls, when he is frustrated and helpless in a spiritual dilemma, God becomes disgusted, fed up, and even furious with him. This is simply not so. We have a shepherd. And by the way, church, just so we're all clear, the Lord is my shepherd. 
The Lord is my shepherd. Man, he doesn't sleep. He knows me. He sees me. He's watching over me. And when I get cast down, by the way, when I get cast down, not if I get cast down, when I get cast down, he is there to put me back on my feet. Now, here's the amazing thing about our shepherd. Not only does he put me back on my feet, but he puts me on a path, and he puts me in a direction. Not only does God reconcile him to to himself, but he also gives me a ministry of reconciliation. He sets me in a direction, and he's got a plan. And by the way, church, he's got a plan for your life. Not only can he restore you from where you are right now, if you're feeling that, maybe you're, you're here today, you're saying, oh man, I know what you're talking about. I know that feeling of being on my back and being stuck, and I've been swinging my little legs, and I've been trying to get some momentum, and I just can't seem to get any motion, and I can't seem to get through this, and I can't seem to keep going. Keep calling out, because the shepherd will come, and he'll restore you, and he'll put you back on your feet, and then you know what he's got? He's got a plan for you. He's going to move you in a direction. He's got a plan. Because then it says this, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And again, it's his paths. It's not our paths. Keller says that sheep are notorious creatures of habit. If left to themselves, they will follow the same trails until they become ruts, graze the same hills until they turn to desert wastes, pollute their own ground until it is corrupt with disease and parasites. But it takes the shepherding of a good shepherd to lead and guide his sheep to new fields. We have a good shepherd, church. We have a good shepherd, and this is where he says he's going to lead us to, paths of righteousness. He's not just going to lead us to the good path. He's going to lead us to the best path. He's going to lead us to the best path, amen? And guess why he's going to do this? For his name's sake, because then he gets the glory. Man, I've said this so many times. The fact that I get to stand up here on a Sunday morning and preach the message of the gospel to you is not God's endorsement of my righteousness. Okay, I'm not standing here today because, well, you know what? If he's standing there preaching, he must be a real righteous guy, right? You might think that. You know what it is? It is a sign of the goodness and grace of God working in my life. I don't get any of the glory for this. This all goes back to Jesus because he is my shepherd. And when you live your life and you walk out your days If anything good comes into your life, every good and perfect gift is from above, comes down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no shadow of turning. You can turn and you can do the same thing and you can say, the Lord is my shepherd. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. All right, so he gets the glory. I've got three things here that we can walk out in our lives to make sure that God gets the glory and that we're walking in paths of righteousness. And here's, here's three things that happen because we know that the shepherd is guiding us and watching over us. Number one, I have confidence in his righteousness. I have confidence in his righteousness. It's not mine. Isaiah 53 verse 6 says, All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sin of us all. Isaiah 64 verse 6 But we all like unclean things, and all of our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. We all are fade as leaves, and our iniquity like the wind have taken us away. And you might say, oh, Matt, that is not good news. You're just telling me that I'm not a good person and that my righteousness is like filthy rags. No, no, what I'm trying to tell you is that his righteousness is perfect and holy and wonderful, and you can rely on it. 
he became sin that you might become the righteousness of God in him. This is what Jesus has done for you. He has reconciled you to himself. He's restored you back into right relationship with God. And he's given you a ministry of reconciliation to go and call others to be reconciled to God. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says it so clearly. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself, restored. He restores my soul to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us a ministry of reconciliation. Sets my feet on a right path. Paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Church, do you recognize today that our righteousness is from him? The good shepherd. Remember, when the sheep is cast down, their only hope is the shepherd. When we are cast down, our only hope is the shepherd. But he will come, and he will restore, and he will set you on the right path for his name's sake. Amen? Amen. Number two, we can boast in his glory. We can boast in his glory. Now today, this afternoon, at about 3.30, there's going to be a game. Anybody want to guess what that game is? Josiah, what game is it? Super Bowl! Right, and it's going to be Patrick Mahomes. He's going to be playing against, who's he playing against, Josiah? Because I don't even know. Jill and Hurts. Apparently they're both Christians, so how do you choose that, right? You're going to have to just choose one of them. Flip a coin, I don't know. And they're going to be playing against each other for this big trophy. It's going to be in front of thousands and millions of people all around the world. And at the end of the game, I guarantee you, there's going to be one person who stands up there, and they're going to say this. Patrick, you just won the Super Bowl. Remember that, Josiah? You just won the Super Bowl. Like, wh what, do you, what do you want to say about that? Oh, man, you know what? I just got to give all the glory to God. You know, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here today, and I just need to give him the glory. You ever heard that before? And you ever been a little bit skeptical about that a little bit? Like, you know, come on, really? Like, that's, that's really what you want to say? Guess what? That's the right thing to say. Because God was the one who gave him the breath that morning to get out of bed. God was the one that gave him the dexterity to be able to throw those passes. God was the one that gave him the mental capacity to be able to remember those plays. God was the one that was working in him both to will and to do for his good pleasure. You say, well, man, it's just a football game. No, 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 but it's all for the glory of God. It's all for him. Man, it's just a church service on Sunday morning. Yeah, but it's for the glory of God. Man, it's just a worship service that you guys do every Sunday. Yeah, but we get to glorify God. It's glory. Matt, you're just preaching another sermon. You preach one like every Sunday. By studying and preparing and sharing a word with my church that they can take with them into their lives throughout the rest of the week. And they can walk in it and they can understand it and they can grow in it and they can grow in their relationship with Jesus. And he's going to get all the glory. Come on, amen? Amen. But God, you're, you're just one of many churches in the area. Yeah, it's for the glory of God. What about Numa Church? Oh, let them grow in Jesus' name. Let the people come into that church and let it grow. Why? Because it's for the glory of God. It's not for our glory. It's for his glory. 
Let his kingdom come. Let his will be done. What about village church? Let them grow. Let many people get saved. Let it resound from the mountains that God is a great God, that he is king, and he is Lord, so that he gets all the glory. Amen? God gets all the glory. 1 Corinthians 1.31, Therefore, as the scriptures say, if I want to boast, if you want to boast, pardon me, boast only about the Lord. Guess what? You can boast in Jesus as much as you want to. Hey, did I tell you about my Jesus? Have you heard about this guy? Have you heard about how great he is? Did you hear about what he did in my life yesterday? Did you hear what he did last week in my life? Did I, did I tell you about this? I just want to boast a little bit in my God. I want to boast a little bit in Jesus. Come on. Galatians 6.14, as for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified, and the world's interest in me has also died. Did I tell you about Jesus, how he changed my life? Did I tell you about how he died for me? He paid the price and penalty for me? Did I actually tell you that he's my good shepherd? He's actually my good shepherd. The reason that I was able to get up this morning is because he's my good shepherd. He got me up. I was cast down, but he got me up. And by the way, he's got a plan for me today. So I'm going to walk in that in purpose and confidence because I know that my God is for me. He gets all the glory. And number three, I walk in his purpose with confidence. All right. So now here's where we make this personal. We are all ministers of the gospel. Turn to the person beside you and say, you're a minister of the gospel. Now turn to the other person beside you and say the same thing. You're a minister of the gospel. Guess what, church, life church? We are the body of Christ, okay? I'm not the body of Christ. You know, we've got this pastor, and he's cool, and he jumps around and yells at us, and it's awesome. We love it. It's great. No, no, it's not me. No, no, no. We're, we're the body of Christ. We're the church. We are all the, the ministers of God. And so you are a minister of the gospel. You know what that means? Don't, don't, don't be, like, intimidated by that. I want to just remind you of something. Our purpose at Life Church is to care for and bring people to Jesus. That's what our purpose is. We are here to care for people and bring them to Jesus. Now, you can do that, right? You don't have to know the five spiritual laws. You don't have to know, you know, the, 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 the Roman road. You don't have to know, like, even some of these things you're, like, you're getting intimidated and getting sweats as you're hearing me talk about these things. You don't have to, you, you, you know Jesus, so our purpose in life is to care for people and bring them to Jesus. And you know who saves people? The good shepherd. We don't save people. He does. He does. So we can walk in his purpose with confidence. We are all ministers of the gospel. Psalm 119, 133. Guide my steps by your word so that I will not be overcome by evil. Psalm 37, 23, and 24. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, get cast down, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. Psalm 18, 36. You enlarge my path under me, so my feet did not slip. Psalm 40, verse 2. He also brought me up. Did I tell you about this, Jesus? Did I tell you about what he did for me? He brought me up out of a horrible pit out of the miry clay, and he set my feet on a rock and established my steps. I just want to care for you enough to bring you to Jesus. 
I just want to care for you enough to show you that there's, I can't save you, but I know a God that can. His name is Jesus. Oh, you're, you're struggling in life right now, and, and I, I don't really have all the answers for you, but, but I can pray for you because I know Jesus, and I can, I can bring you to Jesus. Is that okay? Oh, oh you're, you're having a hard time. You just, you just lost your job. You're, you're, you have a health scare. You have something going on in your life. Guess what? I can't do anything about it, but I know somebody that can. He's the good shepherd. Oh, he's, he's my shepherd. Did I tell you about him? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Oh, and he restores my soul. You know what that means? I'm going to fail sometimes. I'm going to fall over. I'm going to need to be restored. But he does it. And then he sets me on paths of righteousness. You want to know why? For his name's sake, because he's that good. Because he's that good. Because he's the Savior and I'm not. Amen? So as we close today, I'm going to invite my beautiful wife to come. And she's not going to close. I'm going to close today. I'm going to change it up a little bit. But I'm going to ask you the question that I asked at the very beginning. And it's this. Where is it that your soul needs restoration? I'd like you just to meditate on that for just a moment. Maybe it's an area of health. Maybe it's an area of brokenness. Maybe it's an area of guilt and shame that you carry. Maybe it's an area of unforgiveness in your heart. But I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do a work in our hearts today. You know, want to know why? Because He restores our soul. You know, maybe you, you felt like your soul has just been exhausted. Maybe you kind of forgot how to feel because of what you've been through. Maybe there's been a traumatic experience, something that you, you, you had nothing to do with, but it's impacted you deeply. The glory of God is revealed in restoration. And the Good Shepherd is here today to put you back on your feet and move you back in the direction that he has for you. And I believe that that's what he wants to do this morning. So we're going to take a few moments in silence to meditate this morning. Ask the Holy Spirit, God, where do you want to work in my life? God, where do you want to work in me today? And then I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to care for you. I'm going to bring you to Jesus. And I believe that the Good Shepherd will restore your soul. He'll begin a restoring work in you today. Let's just take a few moments. in this holy moment 
Why don't we respond this morning by standing together? And why don't we sing a song together? And then I'm going to pray for you. Here is where I lay it down. Every burden, every crown. This is my surrender. This is my surrender. Here is where I lay it down. Every lie and every doubt. This is my surrender. Come on. And I will make room for you to do whatever you want to. To do whatever you want to. And I will make room for you. To do whatever you want to, Jesus. Whatever you want to. And I will make room for you. To do whatever you want to. morning, if you say, man, I just need that restoring power in my life today. I felt that. I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me specifically about an area. If that's you this morning, you just want to respond to that. I want to give you an opportunity. Just raise your hands up wherever you are, and I'm going to go ahead and pray for you. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we come right now with the power of the Holy Spirit, and we say, Holy Spirit, come. Work in each heart, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, bring that restoring power that you've promised us. Good shepherd, we acknowledge our reliance on you. We trust you today, Lord Jesus. And we pray by Jesus. Father God, we thank you, Lord God, for the work that you've begun in us, that you will be faithful to complete it. We thank you, Lord God, for the work that you're doing in us, Lord Jesus, that you know what you're doing. And we trust you, Lord God. And we come right now and we surrender all of this to you. We lay it down at your feet, and we say, God, come, have your way. Have your way in each heart. Have your way in each life. In Jesus' holy name, in Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen. This morning, if that word really impacted you, and you want some prayer time, we're going to actually have a prayer team up here waiting, standing by on the left-hand side to pray with you this morning. And we'd like to invite you to come and don't leave this place without getting prayer for whatever it is that you're struggling with this morning. Uh, we believe in the power of prayer. We believe that God can move even in this moment. And we can't wait to hear this, the, the testimonies and the miracles that God is going to do. And so if you need a, a, a fresh impartation of the Holy Spirit, you need prayer this morning. We will have a prayer team standing by. Babe, anything else? invite you to go out to the foyer again for coffee and 
It is Valentine's weekend. Valentine's is coming up. That is um, your reminder, men. If you have a special somebody in your life and you might have forgotten, it is coming up on Tuesday. But it is Valentine's weekend, and we have an amazing baker who has made from scratch for you, church, 115 homemade cupcakes this morning to celebrate Valentine's Day. So go enjoy with your coffee and meet a few new people and just stay and linger a few minutes. Don't just rush off because you get to know people by just lingering around. So make your way to the foyer, have a cup of coffee, and enjoy the Valentine's Day cupcake. Have a great week. Let this message just resonate and ruminate in you and let it change you. The truth of the Word of God. Have a great week. We love you. Woo!